0: When it comes to software delivery, enterprises, naturally, deal with larger problems than startups and smaller organizations. Issues like performance bottlenecks and unnecessary dependencies can actually become more difficult to resolve as they bring in more specialists.
1: It's really kind of just like having too many cooks in the kitchen. So if you're an enterprise, how do you work through these problems and how do you simplify your objectives?
0: I'm David Cardy, site editor of Search Software Quality.
1: And I'm Ryan Black, assistant site editor of Search Software Quality. And this is the Test and Release podcast, where we explore topics like testing, version control, DevOps, all that good stuff. Anything that kind of falls within the app dev process.
0: Our guest on this episode is Dr. Mick Kirsten, the CEO of TaskTop, which is a value stream management provider. He is also the author of the book, Project to Product, How to Survive and Thrive in the Age of Digital Disruption with the Flow Framework. That book will be released at the DevOps Enterprise Summit in October, where he will also be a speaker.
2: If you're managing IT as a set of projects, you can't even do that. You don't know how your IT portfolio maps to your business strategy. And what, this is why I think it's so fundamental that we start thinking around these product value streams in terms of what they deliver, so that the business and the technologists can identify, okay, this is where time to market is critical. This is where innovation and iterating in with a customer in a lean startup-type mindset is critical.
1: We spoke with Kirsten about how enterprises can better analyze their own DevOps and Agile processes, and how there's no one-size-fits-all test strategy. So uh, you talk a lot about uh, kind of like, Coming up with a expedited software delivery model, and to me, uh, startups actually came to mind because they have a, a reputation for maybe releasing products a lot more quickly than, say, your traditional enterprise. Do you think startups are maybe an example in terms of a software delivery that more enterprises can follow or learn from?
2: Yes, I think I think what you're saying is exactly right, and I think it's it, in my all of my experiences working with startups, uh, there's there's just this humongous difference in the productivity of how quickly business value is delivered in a startup compared to what we see in an enterprise IT shop. Now, I think I've also noticed a, an interesting disparity as well between how quickly value is delivered to an open source project, and it actually is a little bit different than the way it works in startups, or how business value is delivered at, at large tech giants with very massive software portfolios. So I think there's there's just a fundamental delif- difference in the way that we see business value delivery, and I, by that I mean you know, the features that we bring to market, the delight users, the quality of those things, and, and so on, uh, how quickly they get there and, and how many, in the way that we've seen these highly effective software delivery organizations and, and a really large difference. I mean, to, you know, to me, it feels, usually feels like an order of magnitude difference um, in the way that this happens in enterprise IT organizations. So I've spent a lot of time wondering why.
1: Uh, could I ask you about like what is uh, what are those some of the unique aspects from both the startup and then you mentioned an open source project that enterprises can learn from?
2: Yeah, so in my experience, in my personal experience, I spent a decade just writing a ton of open source code and working with with hundreds of different contributors um, and their contributions and so on. And the 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 mo one of the most interesting things to me around around open source is it, it felt to me, and I've kind of lived you know through some of the startup life cycle, um, I've worked enough with, with some of the tech giants and so on, and, and a lot with enterprise IT shops. I think the most, the highest throughput of, of productivity, of delivering value through code that I've ever seen is actually in these highly effective and very popular open source projects. And that that was my entire day, right? I spent my entire days coding and, and um, reviewing contributions and so on and pull requests. So the... I think the most interesting thing is that you've got this, the, mo- the simplest value stream that you can have in software delivery that I've seen. Actually, the simplest one is one person, right? It's, it's like a cowboy coder creating, you know, working on, on, a, on an application that's simple enough to, to go onto a, you know, a mobile phone or something of that sort, right? There's no communication overhead. You've just got the full productivity of, of this one person focused on the code. Um, and that's certainly, you know, I time doing that and I just, I just loved it. Uh, and it was similar with an open source project where you've got a small number, and it tends to be on the popular project, tends to be a very small number of committers, right? There'll be a, a half dozen, um, sometimes fewer, of super motivated individuals, and all they're doing is they're taking the stream of their ideas on what the code should do, the feature requests and the bug reports coming in through the issue tracker, and just cranking through those in a highly efficient way, right? But there, it really is just developers who tend to be very productive when they're building things for other developers like themselves, when they're solving their own problems with um, any type of container mechanism, any type of programming framework, JavaScript framework, something of that sort. And so that to me is kind of the, the, the high bar for productivity. And then when you get into a startup, things actually change a little bit because the startup might not be a developer technology. Maybe the startup is a consumer technology or it's an enterprise technology. And then you've got these different specialists who come into the picture because all of a sudden uh, you'll have product managers, let's say, you'll have UX designers, Um, you'll have people on the operations and the support side, and they all come into the value stream. And that's when things start changing. And that's when uh, I think we We actually you know you you start getting these handoffs and you start you start uh, getting enough specialists that that this kind of productivity curve changes
0: Mika, as you know, enterprises face some unique challenges when it comes to uh, accelerating uh, the the pace of innovation or just released schedules. When might this pace of innovation not be uh, an optimal strategy for an enterprise?
2: I think we need to look at what the enterprises doing and why in that case and I think there's I think one of the biggest failure points that I see is looking at the entire enterprise IT organization and treating it as sort of one entity and deciding okay we need to innovate which means every single one of our products project value streams needs to be more innovative needs to be on a more modern platform let's let's containerize everything we have right? I think that's that's an absolute failure mode because in the end, you've got to understand what, what the needs of the business are. And the business is composed of, of different kinds of value streams. For example, you might have some legacy systems, which are fine to leave as is, because you're going to wrap some web services around them and build the, you know, the, the new systems of engagement on top of those web services. And your innovation is going to need to come from, let's say, more the front end, more the, the mobile experience, than from modernizing this part of your legacy stack. So the, that's kind of at the technological level. At the business level, you really need to understand why you need to innovate. It's because you're being disrupted at the infrastructure model and now you need to deliver things through a mobile experience or a web experience. Or are you actually being disrupted, and I'm using Jeffrey Moore's terms from Zone to In here, are you actually being disrupted at the operating model where your relationship with your customers is changing and you now need to, you know, you're no longer being sold through Uh, In the same channels, you know, now it's things are shifting into into web sales into a different kind of relationship with your customers. In that case, you need to do a lot more than just put stuff online. You actually need to change your business around more digital offerings and then innovation actually becomes more important. Or you're being disrupted a business model where the the nature of your business is changing, it's very hard to recover from, in which case, you know, you might need to create a whole new digital platform and it really is the case that you need to reinvent the business or, or, or you or you decline. So I think first we need to understand why do you need to innovate, and that really has to do with the kind of competition and disruption forces that you've got. And then once you've got that, to transform your value streams within IT to decide which ones need to be the innovative ones, right? Are you going to prove out – a you know, are you going to play disruption defense, and are you going to prove out a a new business that that is going to be a cloud-native platform – while you leave your current revenue your revenue lines and your current offerings as is? Or do you think you need to do something more fundamental and so on? So I think the key thing is that it's not one size fits all. The key thing is understanding why, you know, what the disruptive forces are, what the competitive forces are, what the opportunities are, and then making sure that your portfolio, your IT portfolio matches up to that, rather than again containerizing everything. If you're managing IT as a set of projects, you can't even do that. You don't know how your IT portfolio maps to your business strategy. And what this is why I think it's so fundamental that we start thinking around these product value streams in terms of what they deliver so that the business and the technologists can identify, okay, this is where time to market is critical. This is where innovation and iterating with a customer and a lean startup type mindset is critical. Of course, we have to make this part of our value stream cloud native. But let's start there, right? Let's focus our efforts there. And then maybe some of these other things. Uh, we will be more incremental around modernizing.
1: On the subject of how organizations manage themselves, I saw that you said agile and DevOps are not enough for for these enterprises. I, I know we kind of often talk about how DevOps is kind of like the systemized collaboration between development and operations teams. So I was wondering, who or what else do you do you think is needed to kind of find bottlenecks and improve visibility within organizations, and kind of like find a better kind of just like approach like sort of like what you were talking about.
2: And I think this is, it's interesting because Agile and DevOps are fundamentally good and valuable and positive things. Like we could not run, you know, past up without, without the being actually quite so long on both journeys, right? On, on Agile and DevOps. And it's it's, it's, it's the case for other tech startups. It's the case for many companies. The problem is once you scale, and if you think back to what I said about the open source project and the startups. It's fairly easy for startups to put in place agile practices, scale them to their needs, and so on. Um, agile, t- you know, create agile teams, feature teams, make sure they've got continuous integration and continuous delivery, and a lot of deployment automation in place. At a small scale, that that that's actually fairly easy, and organizations are are very successful with it, right? And in those cases, it, it, in in a small scale, agile and DevOps, they probably are enough because uh, there aren't that many other specialists, right? You don't have Something in the loop where you've got long certification processes or very long processes upstream where requirements are refined around risk for a particular bank application or trading platform or something. A different thing happens when you've got large-scale software delivery and where you've got now a a large number of other specialists, right? You do have people who are responsible for risk and security and working with the business partners and business analysis, and just much more complex portfolios. And the more complex our software becomes, the more specialists we need. So the challenge with all the specialists is that if you, do, if you decide, like I've seen many times, to just do an agile transformation and your bottleneck is somewhere else, you just don't know. Because the agile transformations tend to be, and the spirit of agile, of course, was meant to be bigger. But in reality, in Empire's IT shops, the agile transformations tend to be focused on the development teams becoming agile. And the way that they're measured tends to be around, well, you know, how many people we've trained on agile, and there are these proxy metrics for how agile we are. And it's another problem with DevOps, because again, all the practices are right, the tooling and infrastructure and automation are the right things, but the way that every, almost exclusively, I see that translated in these DevOps transformations is that, okay, let's get our CI, CDR pipeline going, um, let's measure everything on the number of deploys per day that we're doing. And the deploys per day become like the number of people the number of people trained on Scrum, right? It's just a proxy metric for an activity, and no one can answer at the end of this you know one year partial transformation, are we delivering more business value faster? And people start to get the sense, well, okay, we did all this, you know, we we did our continuous delivery pipeline, but we still have these major infrastructure problems, and until we actually move to you know, to a, a cloud-based infrastructure while we're putting our data centers, this won't have made a difference. Maybe we should have done that first. Or they'll realize, you know, we have, we've not hired, you know, we've got all the developers working agile, but we only have one user experience designer for every hundred developers. You know, the bottleneck is actually there. As I, I've seen, Witness quite a few organizations realize because they just keep thinking they need to hire developers. But we go back to the point of startups. Startups will often have one UX designer for, you know, six or seven developers, not for 60 or 70. So the problem is that Agile and DevOps, as they get implemented today, they're, even though the principles are exactly right, the the three ways of DevOps are exactly the right thing. You need flow and feedback, but you need that to be end-to-end. The flow and feedback can't be just code commit to code deploy. So this is I think the, the whole key premise for me is that we need to look at the end-to-end value stream. We can't treat Agile and DevOps as local optimizations because then you just don't know if you're addressing the bottleneck, if you're applying resources in the right place. You need to look at the end-to-end value stream for your business and figuring out where, where that bottleneck is all the way from the business to the running software. And that's, I think, this emerging and critical discipline of, of value stream management. And we need a different set of metrics in my view, for value stream management. They can't be these activity-based metrics on how much of something we did. They ha- all the metrics have to correlate back to business results. I, basically, what I've done in the flow framework is I introduced a whole different set of metrics all around end-to-end flow of business value. So to define what business value is and then to measure how it flows end-to-end, all the way from a customer request, a business initiative, all the way to a result, be that revenue or a delighted user. And that the and that that to me is the core of value stream management, right? The DevOps metrics are key to layer down. And if you have a bottleneck in deployment or it's like automation piece, you invest there. But you start by looking at the end-to-end value streams that you've got, um, not by looking at deploy a
1: If if your metrics are business in value centric, I know. Often, when you're talking about agile or DevOps, uh, we often write about how how do how do you get an organization to embrace these methodologies? Do you think you can get like developers and testers to embrace these value based metrics? Is it something they could easily wrap their mind around and integrate into their responsibilities?
2: So, I'll just say yes and no. I think that these metrics that in the Flow framework, and um, I'll, I'll take, I can give you an example of one. They're really intended to be at a higher level and to span the different specializations that we have in software value streams, such as testing, such as development, such as support and operations. So I think they're highly meaningful to, the practic- to those practitioners, though. They're highly meaningful to a tester because they'll tell a tester is their work having an impact? They'll tell the developer it, how quickly are their features getting deployed or where are they getting stuck? Are they getting stuck in some security certification step? Are they getting stuck with testing? Do we need to connect you know, dev to test more closely and so on? So they're very meaningful in terms of those people removing the frustration that our teams have in terms of the work they're doing, not making the customer's hands in an efficient way. But they are a level up, right? So our quality teams really care about quality metrics, such as escape defect rates. And there's a quality metric, actually, in the quote, framework, framework to make sure that's represented. But they really are the most generic high-level metrics for value streams. So the individual practitioners really care in terms of helping them identify bottlenecks. For example, if there's a dependency between two teams that shouldn't be there, that's causing the flow of feature delivery to slow down. So... They're, they are a level up and they're designed to be meaningful to looking across all of the different value streams in an organization and still having us rely on those metrics we know well for quality, for, you know, for agile prioritization and, and delivery and so on.
0: In your ideal software delivery model, uh, what role would software testers and QA professionals uh, take?
2: So I think as we all realize, and I think that I made sure to make this a a top level, one of the four business result metrics in the flow framework is quality. So actually, value, cost, quality, and happiness. But quality is at the forefront as much as I think as it was previously. And so we need, and it really depends if you're a startup with you know basically aiming towards full automated test coverage and so on, and investing a lot in test harnesses and other kinds of test automation uh, versus organizations that have existing portfolios and, you know, more manual testing around and, and such. So I think th- the key thing around the project, to product, and value stream management thinking is that you create what I'm calling in the book a value stream network that's aligned to your business objectives. And typically business objectives will be shipping, you know, great software faster at high quality and with lower risk, let's so say security risk, Right. So this means that you don't look at your, you know, here's what de- you know, here's the development silo, here's the testing silo, and so on. You actually do embed these functions into a value stream, but it's not as low, it's not necessarily as low level as the concept of feature teams, right? We use feature teams here at Townstop. A lot of our customers use feature teams, but feature teams are, are at the team level of granularity where you get a cross-functional team. What the flow framework says is you actually need to look at the whole value stream where you might have testers embedded into particular teams. But if you have a massive you know, test infrastructure you need to run, as we do, for example, with our integration factory, you'll actually have a separate value stream where you, you treat your testing as a product. We, we treat our integration factory, which tests all of the different versions. You know, the, of, the support 60 different tools and over 300 versions of them. We treat that as a product, and we invest in that as a product. It's an internal product. We don't sell it but it's a critical product. So basically the, the way I look at it is that you both have testing embedded into your value streams by, and, and you know, as, as we do as a lot of startups and, and do, you'll actually have testers become a part of the feature teams. That's great. And everyone's team together and you're cross-functional. But in addition to that, you'll have the span across teams because these value streams, these products that we deliver, they tend to require many teams, right? In which case, of course, then you know, start making guilds of, of testing for those value streams. But I think the other key thing that, that I've realized is that, you know, uh, for complex product, you start, you start thinking of, of the testing aspect of those products and those platforms as a product itself. And, and that's exactly what we do, where you will actually have um, products Internal value streams dedicated entirely to quality and testing.
1: I know you brought it up uh, briefly before, but you mentioned automation, and I was actually curious. So, when you're talking about testing, how do you imagine the balance between automated methods and a human tester in your ideal framework? That is,
2: in the ideal, I think. So again, I think it's the I, the goal is of the flow framework is not pre- prescribe a specific ideal. You decide that for each value stream. So I'll give another example from Tasktop. We have our old point-to-point integration technology. It still has manual testing, right? We are not going to, whereas our new technology, the the new product hub, it's 100% automated testing. That doesn't mean that we're going to get rid of the manual testing for the old product because it's relatively low overhead. It's very hard to... I mean, there's approaches like model-based testing and so on, but you can try to retrofit automated testing, but we've decided not to. We've made the decision for this value stream. We're just better off leaving it as it is, keeping its mix of unit testing and manual testing, and that's okay. So I think the key thing is, I think a lot of people talk in terms of these ideals, like it's also an ideal to have everything be cloud-native and it's also an ideal to have everything be dockerized, right? Well, not necessarily, because you've got limited ability to invest in each value stream as an IT leader you have to figure out where to place those investments. And I think the key thing is you invest them according to the needs of that value stream. If you've got a value stream that's going to be deployed to the cloud in a continuous delivery fashion, yes, you had better invest in fully automated testing because you need an automatic control gate to whether this thing should be released or not.
1: You're saying fully invest in automated testing in that case because that's what has the most value for the product.
2: Yes, and because the delivery model for that product means you, you can't have a manual, in many cases, you can't have a manual gate to release the product, right? If that's the nature of the product, because you want to move that quickly and you want to deliver features that quickly and iterate that quickly with your customer based on their feedback. But that's, you know, that's not all product. So, again, I think we, we, can't, we shouldn't take the, the approach of automate everything and testing as, as a hammer and hit every value stream with it. We need to look at our goals for that value stream because some value streams, they're in more of a maintenance mode, right? And all you really want to do is keep the quality as it is, maybe improve it slowly and reduce risk on this thing by making sure it's on you know, the latest frameworks to, to reduce security for the chance for vulnerabilities to be exposed. So I think it's, we need to right size the level of automation based on the needs of that value stream. And those needs come from where it is in its life cycle and what you need to do with it. So yes, if you, if you actually want to modernize this part of the application and lift and shift or something, then yes, you will probably have to invest heavily in, uh, in test automation, but less heavily if you're going to wrap this thing in other applications and so on.
0: Mick, you were an open source developer for 10 years and created Mylan, uh, an ALM and task management framework for Eclipse. Uh, where do you see open source tools lacking today, uh, particularly in the DevOps tool chain?
2: You mean the open-source tools, you, the the actual open-source DevOps tools?
0: Sure, yeah, among uh, what's available today.
2: Yeah, so I think this is actually, I, I have a very clear uh, sort of test for whether something's going to become a, pop- least, the, the, I'll say this test works for me in terms of how I evaluate technologies. If the tool is close to a developer's workflow, there's a good chance that and there is, a decent open source version of it or that one will be created. So basically the closer you are to a developer writing or deploying code, the, the better the chances of being a, an open source tool that works for that. And that works well for developers because developers really like creating tools for themselves. And that's what I was doing for those 10 years is creating tools for myself. So I'll give you an example. SCM, the source code management tools like you know Git, they've always been open source because developers always want to make themselves a better SCM tool, right? And Linux decided that to work with all the, his, his lieutenants in the Linux ecosystem, he needed a more decentralized way of of um, uh, consuming contributions. And you know, Git, Git was born. The, similar for Jenkins, right? Where you've got develop, CI/CD is such a natural part of what developers do. More recently, Docker and Kubernetes are a much more day-to-day activity of developers. But then you take a look at, at an Agile tool, right? Developers don't necessarily love interacting with an Agile tool the way they love interacting with source code. So we still don't have an open-source Agile tool that's, that's really dominated the industry, right? Jira is still closed source. GitHub issue tracking is still closed source. GitLab is a little different. They're, they're open-source, and you know, they might actually shift that bar some. But basically, the closer thing, that the, the more a developer touches this part of the value stream, the more likely that part of the value stream will have open source tools, right? So support desks, right? There's been lots of attempts at open source support desks. They're not really popular in industry, things like OTRF and so on, because that tends to be outside of a typical developer workflow. I think this will evolve over time, but I've been using that model to predict what will become open source and what won't, and it's, it's actually held fairly true.
1: I think that about wraps things up. We want to thank you for joining us today,
2: Nick. My pleasure, Thank you.
0: Yeah, thanks a lot, Mick. Uh, Mick really appreciate it. And um, so you'll be at the uh, DevOps Enterprise uh, Summit this year as well, obviously, right? <laughs> I mean, if you're releasing the book there, it's got to be uh, a location you'd uh, make the trip for, right?
2: Yeah, exactly. So I'll be giving a presentation introducing the, the you know the Flow framework, and I think there's you know this new way that we can really layer on top of the the successes and some of the pitfalls of agile and DevOps, and really think end to end, and you know focus on delivering value through these product-oriented value streams and and focusing on making it easy for for all our developers and testers and everyone else to do that.
1: Great. Awesome. So that was our interview with Dr. Mick Kirsten. Please be sure to check out SearchSoftwareQuality.com for more articles on application development, testing, and version control topics. Or follow us on Twitter at SoftwareTestTT. TT as in the letters TT.